We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. fans welcome to another episode of pod maverick after dark joined as always by my co-editor over at mavs moneyball and podcast host josh bow how you doing josh i'm doing good looks like we got a third host today Uh oh can't hear you i think baby might have kicked something out of the (laughs) i can't cannot hear you Okay, um, I think uh, Kirk's newborn might have uh, maybe kicked something out, or microphone got moved. Hold on, we're we're working on it. We're we're getting Kirk back in. I cannot hear you. I uh, still okay. <laughs> this is. Oh, this is the joy of, of, of podcasting. Um, Kirk is going to work through some tef- technical difficulties here. So let me um, just filibuster a bit until we get there. Oh, we're going to try Kirk one more time. Our mic is working. Okay, now you're working. Yeah. Okay, don't know what happened there. Oh, I, I hit the mute button on my mic, but it, it didn't register. Okay, okay. Well, we got... We got three people. We got three people on the podcast tonight. Uh, you guys can hear Kirk's little one. Um, so yeah, Mavericks win one twenty one one fifteen. Um, really bizarre game. Um, a lot of fouls. Uh, a lot of stoppages. A lot of challenges. A lot of reviews. Didn't really have a good flow. Both teams shot twenty nine free throws. Um, so it was kind of a weird game, but it was also one the Mavericks kind of needed to win. I know the Rockets were eight and six coming into this game, but they were 0 and five on the road. And when you think about it, they had the two days off before the Clippers game. 
and then two days off before this game. If they would have went two days off, loss, two days off, loss, um, you don't get a lot of breaks like that in the NBA schedule. You have to take advantage of when you get those days off. So all things considered, I think this, you know, obviously wasn't a clean game, but a game they needed to win, and they won. Well, and then there's there's the additional point of the fact that they've played precisely one home game before tonight in the last two weeks. They played at home on November 10th, and then they played – who did they play? Who did they play at home? I can't – but it's they, they played so many road games broken up by this long, um, just sort of odd break. Like, it was so weird during yes. the Thanksgiving break where it's like we're not – like we don't have to cover the Mavs. Like this <laughs> yeah. is this is weird. Yeah. And so we're here, and and you know the the this game happened tonight, and it was nice to see some energy. Um, I really had felt like those two Los Angeles games, that that you know I, I didn't get a chance to talk about the first one, but the, up until like the fourth quarter of that game against the Lakers, and then the entire Clippers game was just so awful. It was, and then, and then the Kings game before that was also yeah. bad. So. Yeah, that was the game the Mavericks lost where they got ran off the floor at home. That yeah. was really that was really something. And so it's just like the, the Mavericks needed one of these games where they looked at least marginally energized and good. It was nice to see Derek Lively back into the mix. Yes, um, they obviously got crushed at certain points, but it was one of these games where I felt um, I felt pretty confident if if just certain things would happen and. You know, I, I wrote about this in the recap, and again, I'm always like very reluctant to criticize Kyrie too much because I don't want crazy people to give me lectures on how he's the greatest hooper of all time. I, like, I, when I watch game to game stuff, I respond to game to game stuff. And one of the things that I've sort of had to figure out about uh, uh, the Kyrie element is that he is at his age and how he plays, with, particularly with sort of the role the Mavericks have him in he's kind of the ultimate X factor where he's going to do something insanely amazing at some point in the game. It's a matter of when. So as Mark Falwell sort of closed out the broadcast, he was two of 11 at one point and finished eight of 22. So he went, you know, six of 11, his last 11 attempts, which you know, I think he had two or three go in and out that just weren't great. And he was, um, he was really something. And if the Mavericks would have had that earlier in the game, I think they might have ran Houston straight off the floor. Does that make any sense? Yeah, because Houston just doesn't have the – I mean, they're a much improved team, but they win games – you know, they win street fights. You know, they're they're a defensive-minded team. They don't have the firepower to to keep up with the Mavericks team firing on all cylinders. So, like, the way they, they got into this game was they kind of mucked it up, you know, and Kyrie wasn't shooting well. But, like, still, Kyrie and Luka are the two best players on the floor. So that advantage – you know, as soon as both of those guys were clicking at the same time, which is what happened in the second half, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as much of a game after that that kind of bad third quarter. Um, but yeah, Kyrie, I mean, he was on the floor without Luca for the end of the third, and the Rockets got it to like a nine point game, and I think they got to the fourth where it was like a six, five or six point game, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but I, I feel like it is. Like the Rockets were they were trying to, to run the Mavericks off the floor in the third quarter. And I think Kyrie got to the line like four, like two or three times, made like four free throws, made a couple shots, started to pick, started to heat up, and then of course played played well in the fourth. But that was like the stretch where, if they didn't grab control of the wheel because the car was spinning off the road, you know, they, you get down nine after after having a fourteen point lead in the first half. Um, that would that could have gotten really ugly. 
Um, and we've seen with this Mavericks team that things can snowball when things aren't going right for them. So for Kyrie to be able to steady the wheel, um, that, I mean, that kind of saved the game because then Luca comes back into the fourth and he was awesome all night. And that was it. There was nothing really else the Rockets could do at that point. Yeah. And the, you know, watching Luca kind of start to finish the, so there was a extraordinarily stupid online conversation yesterday about <laughs> um, catch all metrics and how Luca is, is not just overrated as in maybe he's a nine, he's like a seven to f- 15th best NBA player. It was Luca is a wildly overrated NBA player and is at best an average starter. Like, one of the dumbest conversations like i i don't understand a lot of advanced stats and frankly i'm too old to try i don't like there there will be no math but i i'm smart enough to understand that like certain things i'm not going to disregard so for for luca to come out and basically have like the ultimate box score game with 41 points nine rebounds nine assists and here's the real kicker zero turnovers was yes. really fun the day after a very stupid conversation um <laughs> And I know for a fact it was a stupid conversation because there I, I know a lot of advanced stats guys. And it, it's just one of these things where if you want to have a conversation about Luca maybe not being a top five player in the world, which I think he is, it's a much more interesting debate to say, hey, here's a guy who's maybe the seventh or tenth best player in the world. Because then you're actually talking about what his weaknesses and things like that are. And that's a little more you know nuanced and where you can get into the actual basketball type stuff. But tonight we saw a player who's pretty who's in pretty much control of the game. Like I still think he shoots a few too many step back threes, but you know the three I think he was three of eight from three tonight. Three of ten. Okay, he took a couple of bad ones late. Um, But he did something tonight that frankly he's not done very much this season, which was get to the effing basket, and it was getting to the basket with the purpose of scoring and not just foul hunting. Like he he's been kind of driving me crazy where he's trying to get these fouls on people where he gets he gets them on his back hip and then he slows down like he's gonna get a bump and like he's just not getting that call. He's just not. He's too big, he's too strong, he's not Damian Lillard at 170 pounds. So watching him just decide, okay, I'm going to go score on these morons at the rim felt very 2019, 2020 Luca. Yeah, uh, this is something I think I might write about when we're done recording here. Um, he is at the lowest rim rate of his career so far mm-hmm. this season, and it's not even close. Like, I think that's intentional. I really yeah. do. I think he's saving his body, and I think he's foul hunting too much. Yeah, and he's shooting way more threes, and he's and he's making them, which is kind of leading to him shooting them more. Which um, I think is a is a fool's it's fool's right, gold right. over time, right? <laughs> right. Because he's really slowed down the last five or six games relative to where he started. Yeah, and tonight it was yeah, you're right. It was he he made nine shots in the paint. He was six of seven in the restricted area. Like by far the most, I think. I think that's by far the most uh makes he's had in the restricted area in a game since like maybe one of those first couple of games of the season. Like um which is which is great because that's when he's at his best. Um I thought in the fourth quarter the team was it was funny because uh the the Rockets put uh, Sangoon on Derek Jones Jr. instead of Derek Lively because they were just hoping to hide Sangoon uh, defensively on the corner. And, you know, you got Jabari Smith Jr. that can guard Lively and, and is more capable of rotating near the basket and being a more active defensive player. And then maybe you just stick Sangoon in the corner so they can't attack him. And I thought it was very smart. Luca went right at Sangoon with Jones Jr. as a screener in the pick and roll. 
got Jones a wide open three because Singun wasn't going to run out uh, and switch at the three point line. Then they like didn't do that the rest of the quarter, and I was kind of like, okay, what's going on? But what they did do was they had Kyrie. I mean, it looked like the 2000, uh, 2016 NBA Finals for the K- Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, Kyrie was screening for Luca with the purpose of forcing that switch, getting Fred Van Vliet on to Luca, and it was like Fred Van Vliet's a pretty stout defender considering his size, but I, it doesn't matter. Like the, the size disadvantage, the height disadvantage was too much. And Luca was just, it was like taking candy from a baby. I mean, he was just getting that switch and just automatic in the paint, in the paint, in the paint. It's and, boring. And, and it's sort of my opinion. I don't have anything to back this up other than how I feel about the game of basketball. But I think if you get to the rim enough times, you will start to get those free throw calls. I got him tonight. <laughs> did, how many did he shoot tonight? Lucas shot nine, which I know is not a ton, but that's still not bad. Kyrie shot nine too. That was pretty yep. amazing. Didn't yeah, it? they shot twenty nine as a team. Yeah, um, which yeah. is yeah, which is pretty good. So, like, if if any, if like for me, and I know there's like probably a standard for people out there, but like I want to see Luca getting to the line fairly regularly. But if he's gonna do that, he's got to stop trying on the on the um, cheap foul call. I, I just I don't want. I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. Uh, particularly once you get past someone, just go to the rim, make them yep. stop you. Yeah, I know he doesn't want to get hurt, and I do kind of appreciate that because it's a very long season. Um, but anyway, so, all right. Uh, it's been about 12 minutes of the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Sorry that this got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Can't wait till I forget to edit that out, and I'm just going to post that up in our in our normal uh, <laughs> podcast feed, so that'll be funny. Um, for those of you who uh, you know are listening to the show via audio podcast, for those who are listening to the show via the live show right now, We'd really appreciate it if you could uh, head down uh, and hit the like button on this particular stream. We would also appreciate it if you would consider subscribing to Pod Maverick. We're uh, at just about 2,100 subscribers. We're trying to get to 5,000 by the end of the year, kind of an arbitrary number, but it could be fun. Um, and while, you know, when the show is over, if you would uh, go leave us a, a comment on the actual YouTube itself and not just the live stream, that would be helpful as well. I really like checking those. I've been kind of bad about checking them this week, but I'll try to get better as Josh and I get more into the groove. Um, all right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right. So thanks for letting me show for a minute. Just uh, it's, it's something that's important that I need to do and Josh and I need to do for every show. So the Mavericks made a, uh, a change tonight in their starting lineup where they moved uh, Derek Jones Jr. to the bench and they played Josh Green as the starter. What, if anything, did that do, in your opinion? Um, I think it changed things up in the right way because I was actually wanting to write about it because the starting lineup is by far the most played five-man group that the, the team has so far this season. And it's been one of their worst lineups considering how much it's played. Um, it's played, I'm going to pull it up right now. Well, no, I mean, heading into this game, yeah, they, they played about 219 possessions according to Cleaning the Glass. The second most played five-man lineup is at 71. So by far the most played lineup they have. Minus 2.8 net rating uh, per 100 possessions. Defense is not bad. Uh, 111.5, which would get you maybe around average, right? Right around that league average, maybe slightly above league average, which is exactly what you want with a team that's as offensively talented as Mavericks. But the offense just was 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 doo doo. One hundred eight point uh, seven per hundred possessions, and I think the Derek Jones, you know, it's Luca, Kyrie, and then you know three non. I don't know how to describe this. Three, non, you know, Grant Williams is a shooter, but he's not necessarily someone that's going to do things with the ball. I mean, it's three players that basically have to have their offense spoon fed for them, and I understand that that you could. That's basically describing everyone on the roster that's not. Uh, Luca and Kyrie, and uh, maybe you know Tim Hardaway Jr. You can maybe add to that list, but I think the spacing uh, with Jones Jr. it kind of run its course. They did some fun things. He was hitting some threes, but he was in a little bit of a slump, and it just with with Grant and Jones both hitting slumps kind of at the same time, it just didn't make a lot of sense. I thought to keep going, um, and they put Josh Green in, and funny enough, uh, I think the Green move again it was an offense move because I think. With Lively and Grant Williams on the floor, uh, I think Kidd is at least confident enough in his defense to be okay. Um, so it's almost like you don't necessarily need Jones Jr. that much if the offense is going to suffer that much. So Green kind of splits the difference. He hasn't had a good season defensively, but he's still more of an active offensive player uh, and, and a better spot-up shooter, I think, uh, than Jones. And then also, uh, our staffer Matthew pointed in Slack, it's twofold. So not only do you get a little bit of an offensive punch with your starting lineup that had been kind of a little stagnant, but now Jones Jr. coming off the bench can play with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kyrie and, and Powell if Powell's playing or Sean Holmes. And now you've got a better defender to put in with those lineups instead of what they were running, some like Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, Dwight Powell type lineups uh with the second unit and those were just a disaster. So I think it balanced the starting unit and the bench a little bit more offensively and defensively. Um, And I think it's probably going to, I would think it's going to stay, uh, but I just think it gives the Mavericks just a little bit more balance on both ends of the floor throughout a game, instead of maybe being too defensive focused to start too offensive focused when the subs come in and now it's, you get a little bit of both and it, it seemed to pay off. Uh, dividends tonight for sure. Jones and it's funny enough. Jones ended up having a great game, bouncing back, coming off the bench. So uh, if he can do that, coming off the bench and not necessarily needing to play with Luke and Kyrie exclusively 100 percent of the time, I think it's a move move worth doing. Um, and you just got to see, you know, just ride that out. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's been a little bit in the chat here. Uh, during the, the presser, it seems Jason Kidd uh, went off on uh, Tim McMahon, uh, told him to write some positive shit. Uh, <laughs> Dude, they lost four out of six games. Right. Uh, and they not and they looked terrible yeah. in those lot. Like they weren't, you know. I they mean, had two. They had two blowouts. Uh, wait, I mean, wait, one, two, three. So of those four losses, two, three of them were blowouts. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what's the positive stuff to happen. I mean, it, th- this sort of stuff with um, <clears throat> this sort of stuff with kid is is what it is. Like I kind of find it funny when he's punchy because he's so often reserved and boring. Um, and what's very clear, and I mean this seriously. He has spent a lot of time reading shit on Twitter. Kid has. Oh yeah, he's very online. He is. He has seen the criticisms and the, the like. I normal. I don't like the, the the Mavericks didn't just come to the conclusion to to play um, Holmes more. Didn't just come to the conclusion that they should start Josh Green. Head coaches are stubborn people. Kid is extremely stubborn, but I also think he's extremely susceptible to to the to the local chatter. Um, like just very, very sure of that. Uh, and, and as all our coaches, like Rick Carlisle used to do the same thing to uh, Tim Cato fairly, fairly regularly. Um, anyway, it's, it's really fun. Uh, I, I funny it, it, to me that, but it's fine. Like what you should be doing as a coach, uh, and as a team that's that this many new guys is really trying to find what works. So I don't have a problem with them switching the lineup. Yeah, that's um, what they're supposed to do at this point. It, yes. Season. And, and, you know, our friend is Talk Franco, wrote a real long, good piece today um, about the Mavericks defense. And he and I exchanged a couple of DMs in regards to it. The Mavericks are just behind the, the, the current meta for team building. Is that the right word? Yeah. What do you call it? Yes, for, no, that's right. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've not played a first-person shooter. with no, the you nailed it, man. You, you nailed um, it. But it's like they're behind the curve. In 2019-2020, they were fairly certain that they were light years ahead of the league when they started 16 and five and discovered five out basketball. What they soon figured out was, and this is by the end of like the 2021-22 season, was that they were behind the curve. And then by the end of last year, it was almost so far behind, they don't know what they were doing. And when I say they were behind, the meta at that point, and you look at the Denver Nuggets, the champions for, for what you try to emulate, and the Nuggets were are huge at the three, four, and five positions and extraordinarily skilled at all of those positions. The Mavericks improved their skill this offseason. They improved their size at center, but they are still so small that we're going to be coming in here throughout the season bitching about it. They're not fixing it overnight. I don't care if Maxie comes back because Maxie's like you, counting on a guy like Maxie is just dangerous. At this this point. is the second season in a row where it's been like, just wait for Maxie to come back. Right, right. And I, yeah. I've liked the bursts that Holmes has given, but I don't think that's sustainable. Like you, you don't want to put too much on him. Um, they, they need another big and they probably won't get it. But what they really need is like a big four because yeah. they're playing got like their three and their fours. The ones that they play are all six, like six, four to six, six. And when you're going up against a guy like Aaron Gordon, who's 6'8 and muscular, it's just you just can't do much. It's it, it is what it is. Um, but this was like this was a, a nice bounce back game. Um, our friend, realistically, the frenemy of the show, Matt Moore, who I hope to have on here at some point, you know, is is he and I were talking the other night, and and the Mavericks are 10 and 6 and are sort of cruising for a 48-win season. They're gonna lose some games horribly, and we're gonna be very frustrated. 
And then they're going to win a lot of games because one of the things the Mavericks are doing this year that they haven't done in years past is beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Yep. This was an important win in that regard because they're supposed to beat Houston. I don't care how good their defense is. The Mavericks are better. And in years past, we would see them play down to their opponent. And one of the things I think that Kyrie brings on a night in, night out basis is that little bit of oomph. And then Luka gets yeah. going and plays hard. Like he has another guy to really help buoy him. And, and it's important for what the Mavericks are doing. And again, 11 and six, man. Like yep. this is a game they definitely lose last season pre trade. Like if, <laughs> like, think about that stretch in the third quarter where Luka was not in the game and Kyrie kind of started taking over and prevented the game from, from going from a nine point lead to something worse. He kind of reined it in. Last season before the trade, that would be the Spencer Dinwiddie show. And we saw how bad the Mavericks were when Luka was off the floor and Dinwiddie was running point full time. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Kyrie gives them a baseline now that he's been fully integrated, now that they were able to kind of recoup some of the depth that they lost to trade for him in the first place, which they couldn't do after the, you know, they were kind of boned after the trade deadline last season. They just didn't have the bodies. So yeah. they've now they've recouped. They Williams, Lively, Jones Jr., those aren't the final pieces to the puzzle uh, necessarily, but they're – how many times have I said that? They're significantly better than some of the, the roster spots that they were occupying, you know, with last season, with the guys that they were rolling out post-Kyrie trade. So, so yeah, the Kyrie – I feel like you're feeling the effects of the Kyrie trade in a much more positive light now because they finally were able to take a summer to to – to address the depth that they lost and let Kyrie be the second best player and let him kind of do what he's really good at, uh, which is, you know, what he's doing now being second banana and stabilizing lineups when the star is out, because he's, I mean, he's had a lot of experience doing that. It's a role that suits him very well with his skill set. So uh, the Maver- I think you're right. The Mavericks have reached, you know, it's still early, it's still 17 games. We haven't even reached a quarter mark, but I feel pretty confident that there's a baseline of, of, of play here where I feel pretty confident in them against the bad teams. And then you roll the dice against the the really good ones, but you don't need to be good teams to make the playoffs. There's more bad teams in the NBA than good teams. So that's really yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really worth writing home about here. Um, um, did Grant Williams get monstered a week ago? I mean, I, I, I have a theory on Grant Williams. If, if you'll hear me, um, yeah. it's not fair to Grant. I'm probably wrong. But Grant played amazing, and I think Grant got a little big for his britches. And then Grant stumbled, and now Grant can't get out of the quicksand. I think he will. I'm pretty sure he will, he will be just fine. But he looks useless. <laughs> like, he's I'm, almost unplayable right now. He's so not good. I mean, I don't even know. His line tonight makes him look better than he was. Like, he went 0 for 5 and scored 0 points. Uh, and he looked worse than that stat line. Like his, I might pull clips, like just I, I, maybe not. People get mad at me for for being mean after a win, but wasn't just that he missed five shots. I mean, he missed a, a wide open dunk. He airballed a wide open three. Um, he shot another three that I think like went over the rim and like hit the other side of it and like bricked it, which is like if you've shot a basketball before, you know how hard it is to to do that. Um, like he wasn't even close on these shots. And that's, yeah. that's the part that like, you know, that's where it goes from, Oh, he's in a slump to, Oh, he's like in his head and you get a little worried about it. But yeah, he seems like the kind of guy that'll, that'll turn it around. It's just like, 
Ooh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. That's you. You had a good theory. Started hot, and then maybe that that went a little overboard. I think another good theory is he's playing more minutes per game than he ever has in his career. He's a full time starter now at the four. You know, with the Celtics, he was a he was coming off the bench and occasionally being that guy that they would put on, you know, a Giannis or an Embiid to, to mix things up. But that wasn't his full time role. Uh, now he's the full time starting for playing almost 30 minutes a game. I think that's he's never done real that. Toll. I, yeah. that the, that's actually my real take is I think yeah. he is, I think he is tired and um, friendo. My, my, my suggestion for him would be to invest in some cryotherapy. Um, don't go out <laughs> on the road, uh, watch what you eat, drink a lot of water because it's, it's not going away. It's, it's really not the, 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 the Mavericks need him. And I, I think that if you're going to get, a strong Luka performance, a reasonably good Kyrie performance. You need one of these other Mavericks to have a, a, a like a 15-point scoring game, and I think the Mavericks have a chance to win almost every night. Yes, for and, sure. Yeah. That, that's, that's what you just, see with Jones having in this mm-hmm. game. Like mm-hmm. They just need one of these role players to kind of pop off because Luka and Kyrie are just – I mean, even – like Kyrie had a bad game and still found his way to t- – 27 points and no turnovers, five assists. Like yeah. these, these stars are machines. Uh, you just got to give them a, just a little something uh, and, and they'll be okay. Well, I want to talk about one more thing. And then I think we can pivot to the other news of the day, which we're really not going to talk about too much because I don't want to talk about it too much, but Derek, so, so Derek Lively is getting an awful whistle lately. Yes. For um, sure. One of the things you and I have batted around in here, and I think you should still write on it at some yeah, point is that lively is, is, Number one, Lively's excellent. He's surpassed everybody's expectations. And the Mavericks are really going to go as far as Lively is able to take them in the sense of him playing 28 minutes a game. Um, That's significantly difficult, though, when he's getting called. And I'm not a refs guy. I'm just not anymore. I don't care. I don't don't have time to be too upset about the refs, even though I know a lot of people really want to complain about Scott Foster and whatnot. What the fuck is verticality? Like, what good is it if you're never going to call it correctly? Like, this, the thing about Lively is that he makes the right defensive play and he's still getting called for fouls. Like, what is there anything he can do differently other than somehow age up a year? I don't know. I really don't know. I'd have to go back and watch him, watch some of those fouls. But yeah, it really did feel like he was going straight up uh, and the refs were just kind of like, almost pre-anticipating because he's a rookie that he was going to make a mistake and then he didn't, but they already blew the whistle anyway. I'm sure a couple of them, if I watched on replay, maybe he had his arms down a little bit, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it felt like he was, he was straight up and down and that feels like, you know, that's right out of the Tyson Chandler coaching, but like, you feel like that's, that's gotta be Tyson written all over it. Cause he was the mat. I mean, he was basically the master of that, yeah. uh, both his, his time in Dallas and, and with the Knicks. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it really affected him because then he really kind of backed off of Sangoon uh, in the second half, and, and Sangoon just his fourth one bully bully balled away. His fourth one, Sangoon went under and around and tried to reverse layup and just missed it. And they call and they waited till it didn't go in. The ball came Those all are the way worst. Out and they and then they called the foul. And it's just like Sangoon just missed the shot. There was no bump. Um, I am impressed by Sangoon, by the way. Very yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Um, and right. props to Lively for even, you know, with five fouls, like, welcome back, Derek Lively. What a difference he makes when this when he's playing versus, like, you know, that Clippers game where he was out. Like, it is crazy to think that a 19-year-old rookie might be 
their second most indispensable player on the roster. I don't, I mean, that feels wild to say, but it's starting to feel like that with, yeah. the, with how much better they look as a team when he's on the floor. Uh, the Dylan Brooks experience entertained me to no end. I, yeah. there are folks, friend of the show, from a former colleague of ours, Dalton Trigg was like, you know, this game, this defense, this is why I want Dylan Brooks, why I really wanted Dylan Brooks. And like, I'm sorry, guys, I don't want Dylan Brooks. Not for 82 games. If, if if you're telling me we're fighting the aliens and and we need a defensive stopper, maybe. But Dylan Brooks over 82 games would turn me into a sociopath. He did two or three things tonight that actively kept them in the game and then pulled them right the fuck back out of it. I just yeah. I was. Yep. He's that foul on the Jones on the Jones three pointer. That the was insane. <laughs> Derek Jones is four feet behind the line and you foul him. Yep. Like that, like they might have won the game if if he didn't do that with the way they were playing. Yeah, that was that was bananas. But yeah, he he giveth and he taketh away really really quickly. All right, so the last thing we'll talk about because uh, I, I, there was a lot of people in the comments. Yeah, uh, we have to we have wanting to talk, to talk about it. The uh, a majority stake. This is fascinating. A majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks was sold to um, the Adelson family today. Uh, with the interesting, and I don't understand legally how this works, <laughs> bizarre caveat that Dallas Mavericks governor currently, Mark Cuban, will retain control of basketball operations. Now, my first thought, and I mean this, I, I tweeted this, my initial thought was, holy shit, Mark Cuban is running for president. <laughs> with some hindsight, and with talking to, there was a, a, a woman that I follow on Twitter who um, is, is knows a lot about real estate. And then uh, my friend Tyler, who shot me a message. Um, it seems pretty clear to me that this is a foray into Cuban getting a whole bunch of liquid capital at once, uh, meaning cash on hand. And I think the Mavericks are have been really, you know, Cubans talked about there's been a lot of like whispering for years about the Mavericks wanting a new arena. But what this would do, as I understand it, is lay the groundwork for a mixed site, mixed usage site that that Cuban would own that would be used for more than just basketball games. Now, I could be missing some of the details. Somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. I'm sorry that I'm wrong in the comments. But like, this is a really interesting thing. But I don't think that it will have too much, if anything, uh, any effect on the actual basketball, which is what we are interested in watching. What What is your take, Josh? Yeah, I think that part of it remains to be seen because while it's all well and good right now that the idea is that Cuban, like nothing really changes in terms of the hierarchy. And these are just like maybe like a he just needed a money man, so to speak. Which I think is I'm, the case because right. of the gambling element. Like the, right. but, legalized gambling is coming to Texas, and this is a matter of when, not if. Yeah, but also it feels bizarre that someone would spend three point five billion dollars for ownership in a basketball team and not want to have a say in how that basketball team is run. So it might sound good now that they're all on the same page and they want Cuban to stay uh, in his ro- his role as as governor of the team and in charge of basketball ops, but. Well, I think I don't. I think it's way too early to just assume that's how it's going to be going forward. But I don't want to speculate because we just we just don't. I want to speculate because I'm a former political. <laughs> I'm a former political operative. Like yeah. three point five billion. That's, that's is a lot of nothing. To, it is. It is nothing to this woman. It is ten percent. It is ten percent of what their their wealth is. 
and they, yeah, like so, they, that's you know that is what like it, it that's a that's a literal that's truth. And so yeah. I while I, I hear what like my man Brian, uh, who I'm sure will come on the next show and maybe want to talk about it a little bit, I hear what you guys are saying, but like the day to day of the basketball is not going to matter. It is. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Like, how are you operating as a team? And frankly, maybe they're they're probably going to be operating in some form of partnership in order to get legalized gambling uh, in the mixed mixed site. You know, where hopefully, it, not hopefully, but it seems to be the intention is there will be like betting and gambling in some form in Texas, probably within the next five to ten years. And if you're in on the ground floor on that, for a state, you know, three point five billion at part of your investment is probably a good one. Um, it just, it probably is like, just, I don't know if anybody knows this, but for sports betting alone, it took New York one year to pass the tax receipts that uh, Nevada was getting one year. That's all. And so Texas is an even bigger state. So it's like, this is just one of these things where as much as some of us, I'm kind of ambivalent. A number of our staff members are really kind of functionally annoyed by how much gambling has invaded sports. And I don't blame them. It's something that's coming, so it's like, yeah, the money's you, too big. What do you do? What do yeah. you do? Um, I I do want to note, and I don't think the Mavericks are going anywhere. Like, there's been a lot of odd consternation. Are the Mavericks going to move? Are they going to move to Las Vegas? Not tomorrow. Not anytime soon. Like, Dallas is a huge market. Dallas is a bigger market than Las Vegas by legions. Like, yeah, maybe it's a it. They use it as a threat to to help. Yes push their agenda but they getting, don't but yeah their lease doesn't expire leasing from the city that's what i was explained to me today was leasing yeah. now in this day and age from a city is not as financially like some of these people are so rich they don't need to so leasing for like why why let the city partake in some of your money when you can keep all of it yeah and he doesn't and he doesn't have you know let's be real he doesn't have the money to to build a giant arena right now yeah. um we, you know i know everyone likes to make the, the jokes about mark cuban being broke but like he is you know he's got different investments uh he's big into crypto you can you can speculate all you want about how much cash he has on hand but it's obviously he wouldn't have enough to to build this resort and he's this is like not new like he's on the record for like year for yeah. a few years now saying i want the next mavericks arena to be like this casino resort extravaganza mm -hmm. so this is part of the plan and we'll that's like the immediate thing like that's obviously that's what's going to happen and they're going to try to to build uh, a new arena in dallas uh that's going to be gambling focused and, and things like that they got time again the lease doesn't expire till 2031 i don't i can't imagine them breaking it but i don't know the the legality or the financial terms of doing that but i'm sure it's gonna if they wanted to it helps a lot more to have this have this new ownership in your back pocket that can bankroll and, and eat any costs that you might need to, to maybe move things along. But yeah, that's the immediate future. And then we'll see what happens after that uh, because it's, you know, it is chump change to this ownership group, but we'll see it's, he's not the majority owner of the Mavericks anymore. That's just a big change regardless of how much they want to say that things are going to stay the same, like something, you know, it's just different for sure. Well, and there, there's a lot of people are confused as to where there's some land that they already own. That's Cuban, not that yeah, Cuban owns land in downtown Dallas. Yeah, uh, there's 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 yeah. a plan in place. And so just to kind of, you know, we are probably wrong on some of the specifics. That's okay. 
one of the things Josh and I have talked about a lot, particularly since the the sexual harassment scandal of like 2018, is like we didn't sign on to talk about some of this shit. And so we will when we have to, but we're gonna not avoid it, but it just is not interesting to us. Like I want to talk about basketball. I'd want to talk like I want to I even sometimes want to avoid the team drama if we can. Um sometimes it's fun, sometimes you can't avoid it, but it's like so we're going to we're probably going to stick to basketball unless something becomes a story that we can't ignore. Today was a good example. We have to mention it and then we're probably going to move on. Yeah, so. that makes yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't have a business degree. I don't I'm not smart enough uh to figure all that stuff out. I have opinions about certain things, but I don't want to share them right now, but Right. Uh otherwise, yeah, I'm I'm this is the part where I'm a little out of my depth for sure, but uh it's definitely interesting, and it's, it, it yeah, is it's, interesting. It's noteworthy. It happened very quickly. It seems yeah. like, and, and it, it it feels like it's a thing that's been in discussions for a while. But there was a story that broke on, what was it? There, one of the news wires about two hours prior to the actual information of you know that that oh Bloomberg, of, I think that yeah, they, Bloomberg that they were selling like their shares to, to, to invest in yeah. some sports team, and it was like two hours later, it was already done, and it's like holy cow. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, so the Mavericks play back to back next. I think that's right. Is that they wrong? do not play back to back. They have two more nights off, Kirk. Man, what are we gonna? And then they play back to back. Then they play Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Memphis OKC. Okay, that's going to be interesting because the Memphis game is one they should be they should put away. They should early. win by a billion points. And if they don't, we have problems. And then right. we're back to to talk about the Thunder the next night. And that's a night. Um, that'll be a measuring. That'll statement. be fun. Yeah. That'll be real fun. Um, Chet Holmgren is. The, the re-rise of the American center between Chet Holmgren and Derek Lively, I am just <laughs> thrilled. This is what um, you asked for. It is. Watching the it World is. Cup. You wanted some beef, American but beef. Our, our columnist, Meta, who, who is overseas, and I, like, I was positing theories to her in the offseason about the decline of the American big man. And this has just the, – these two guys have sort of single-handedly restored some faith. I'm really, really excited to watch these two uh, battle. Um, I wonder if they've ever played each other before. Probably a little bit. Um, but Jalen Duran was was on the same AAU team as um, uh, Lively and was kind of the better. Like Lively seems to be kind of a, a late rising prospect compared to so many of these other bigs, which is why we're so excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'm going to come back here in about 15 minutes with our second live show. I hope you guys will uh, click on over to that and wait for me and I will hop in and we will take some questions and talk about this game. Uh, there's still things more I think that we could cover. Um, our, our staffer, Matthew pointed out to me like Tim Hardaway didn't play much in the fourth. Um, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and probably pretty important. There's a lot of things we could talk about. So hop over to that show and come join me. You know, you can join by clicking in. You can, you know, you don't have to show your face on video. Um, it's always nice to, it's nice to like talk some basketball. Brian in the comments joins most nights. We have a lot of fun. So please consider that. And if you are listening on a recording the next day, thank you so much. If you could please uh, leave a review, um, five stars would be helpful. And if you are at all ever interested in reaching out to us about anything, we have uh, the pod maverick podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Josh, you got anything else before we go? No, I think I'm good. Woo. All right. Kirk Henderson and Josh both. Thanks so much for hanging out. We will talk to you guys soon. Have a good night. Go Mavs. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.